Hi, friends. Welcome to Bar of the Conference. I'm your host, Derek Scott III. Today's conversation is with Daryl Dason. Daryl is an elder in the North Carolina Annual Conference, where he is a general conference delegate. He and his wife, Jessica, who is also an elder, have three children. In this episode, we discuss the impact that campus ministry has had on his faith and calling, the difficulties of being a young Black man in ministry, and the ways that race and affirmation of full inclusion are often pitted against each other. But don't get it wrong. While we do talk about some of the struggles, Daryl brings a vision of the UMC that calls us to pursue God's abundance as we take more risk for the sake of the gospel. He is another face of the future of the United Methodist Church. And I think you're gonna be enlightened by Daryl's hopeful perspective. So grab that notebook, that choice beverage, and let's settle in for this episode with Daryl Dason. The Reverend Daryl Dason, how are you doing today, my friend? You know, I'm I'm doing well. I I can't complain too much. The the, the weather's warming up, being able to get outside a little bit more, and uh, we are in the Easter season, so that just it just uplifts your spirits, you know. So, yeah. Well, yeah. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm probably not doing as well as you. You just came off a of vacation as well. So um really appreciate you joining me on the podcast. Um I actually met your wife, Jessica, first um in a campus ministry training space. Oh gosh, I can't I'm not even sure how many years ago it was. Um, but it was. <laughs> um and and I remember her talking about you. Um, and, and she definitely did the, my husband's amazing. Uh, <laughs> and so then I would hear about you through different circles, hadn't met you yet, but I would hear about you through different circles. And I think we found ourselves in some similar places, but the place where I felt like I got closest to like being like next to you was at SCJ, uh, jurisdictional conference this past November. Mm-hmm you participated in uh, a reconciling ministry space uh, where we were just praying for a jurisdictional conference and our desire to see the church continue to move towards inclusion. Mm -hmm. And um, everything that I had been hearing about Daryl sort of came alive right in front of me as you, I believe you opened the space for us. No, no, you gave a testimony. Did you, yeah, you gave a testimony and and it was, I mean, I guess to me, it felt like you opened the space with your testimony. Um, so I'm just really grateful that you're here on Bar of the Conference. And I'd love to hear, uh, just to start off, some of your story of how God's provenient grace brought you into faith and brought you into the United Methodist Church. 
Absolutely. So um, I'm, I'm going to take you way, 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 way back. So um, we got time. So <laughs> take, take us back. Yeah. Fantastic. So uh, um, I was I was raised in a Baptist family um, down in Charleston, South Carolina, moved all over the place. But um, what has really formed me is being in a family um, that was so involved in the church. Um, um, a part of my story that I, that I often tell people is that um, for the longest time, how I understood my family was you were either going to go into the military or you were going to be a minister. Because on my father and mother's side um, were just uh, Baptist ministers. They serve in a church as, as, as deacons in, um, in different lay leader capacities. And one thing I often always say is I have fond memories of getting to church uh, before the sun rose and leaving church when the sun went down. So we, I know that Baptist, life. Yeah, yeah. We just, I know that we, life. Yeah. We're the church, baby. Um, but so for... For my life, I I always felt felt some type of calling into the ministry, um, even though um, I felt nudged in other directions. I, I thought I was going to be a a chemist, a chemist like a chemical engineer or something like that. Took chemistry and realized I was terrible at it. Um, I thought I was going to be a a, a counselor um, and um, in some capacity. I guess I do that now, um, but my first calling into ministry was um, in in music ministries. Really, um, I um, for a while I thought I was going to be um, the next Israel Houghton or something like that. Um, yeah. But I realized that um, I couldn't sing, <laughs> but oh. I couldn't play drums. So I did that <laughs> for for a while, um, um, and I um, just heavily involved in, in in youth groups, and then. Um, I really didn't meet the United Methodist Church uh, until I got to college. Um, so I went to Appalachian State University, um, go Mountaineers. Um, and by that time, um, I was probably a little bit jaded by the church. Uh, the, the, Baptist, the Baptist congregation, the Southern Baptist congregation that I found myself in um, in the later parts of middle school and in, in, into high school, um, it's just not very kind to me. Um, it was a, it was a namely Caucasian Anglo church, um, and in hindsight, um, there there were just some some things that that happened there racially with myself that I didn't quite see, but but I knew it was off putting. Um, and also during that time, I was you know like everybody coming of my own, asking questions um, about my faith, um, about scripture, um, and. Uh, those questions were not uh, met with generosity, um, and it felt like kindness at times. Uh, mm. I was, um, I felt as though um, my questions were being constricted or um, eschewed away. Mm -hmm. And um, what, what what felt like to me is that I needed to believe what the pastor believed. I needed to believe what the youth director believed. Um, and I, being a hottie high schooler, is, I. I thought to myself, nah, I guess I just won't believe anymore. So I went to college thinking I was done at the church. I wasn't going to mm. do anything. Um, but um, my roommate um, I knew from high school, his old youth minister was the new campus minister over at the Appalachian Wesley Foundation. And after I finally kicked my mom out of my dorm room with tears in her eyes, a um, few minutes later, it feels like um, Brad Farrington, that, that campus minister, called my roommate asking if he would come over and help build bunk beds. 
and he asked me to come along and the rest is kind of history. <laughs> Brad Farrington. Brad O'Brad. That guy. <laughs> so you get to App State. You go over to the Wesley Foundation with your roommate and help build bunk beds. Mm -hmm. And how, how, how do you get pulled in? Like what 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 happens? And and I'm and I'm curious. Um was it instant or was it like over time did like Brad and team have to really work hard to get Daryl in the room? Um, or was it more like you walked in and you're like, yeah, I'm just going to have to hang out here a while. Um, you know what? Because it feels like it's so long ago, it is, it is muddy. But but what I remember, because um, I was a I was still an angsty teenager, you know, fresh out of high school. Um, I remember um, just several moments in time over those first a couple months, really, of being at the Wesley Foundation that I would that I would come with the questions that I was asking my um, my, my youth pastor, uh, my former youth pastor, and a former pastor, just to just to gauge um, um, what the reaction was going to be. Were they going to um, accept the question? Were they going to to entertain it? Were we going to have a a conversation? Um, I just have kind of fond memories of, of talking with, with Brad in particular. And then when I got to meet everybody else, but Brad in particular, um, um, he would, he would say, Hey, what do you, what do you think about that? You know, what do you, what do you think you learned in scripture? Um, on what, like, I hear your Baptist, what did your tradition kind of, um, um, I'm telling you, um, you know, like, well, what's your, what's your, what's your reasoning for that? So on and so forth. It, in hindsight, he was being a United Methodist um, ninja. He was he was he was walking <laughs> through a quadrilateral, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and it was there in that place, um, meeting him and then my 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 fellow classmates, um, who we were we were all trying to figure out who who we were, and we're trying to answer the question for us: um, um, Who is Jesus to us? Hmm. Um, and it was just a wonderful community where we we just allowed one another to, to wrestle and to question and to have conversation with one another um, and to really get down to um, um, our beliefs in in Jesus and and just from from then on I realized that um, that my faith could be something different um, that. That I that I did have the place and space to 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 wander, to be curious, and to, to be playful with God and, and and with the and with the body of Christ, um, and it, it just really pulled me in. But like also in hindsight, like I was I was a church boy. I yeah, know church. Yeah. <laughs> like like in, in hindsight, I may have been fooling myself thinking that I wasn't going to be a part of the church anymore, um, and that's um, um, a part of God's provenience. Um, um, you see it clearly in hindsight. Um, and, and I just, um, I've always known that, that, that even, even, even in moments where, um, I'm, um, I'm, I'm stressed out or angry or, um, kind of at odds with this faith that we, um, have been given. Um, I know at some point in time, Jesus is going to say, all right, we walked down this path long enough. Let's, let's get back down here. <laughs> yeah. I feel that. I think a lot of us feel that. Um, uh -huh. 
I, I always appreciate, I mean, you know, campus ministry for two decades now, and um, it really is that space where, um, particularly for young adults who grew up deep in church, it's, it's an opportunity to decide, is this going to be their faith? Mm-hmm. And is this how they're going to live out their faith? Is this the, Are these the theological commitments that they're going to hold on to? Um, but I do see a lot of them that are like, yeah, I'm going to take my time. And, you know, and then about three weeks in, they're like, all right, I'm just going to be here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to hang out. Um, so from, from there, t- tell me how you received your call to ministry, mm-hmm. which probably is not a single story. It's probably mm-hmm. a story in multiple acts, but mm-hmm. um, sort of chronologically, yeah. I'm curious how your time at the Wesley Foundation informed uh, and 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 maybe even nurtured your call to ministry. Absolutely, it it is really it's it's only because of the Wesley Foundation that I'm a pastor in the United Methodist Church. Um, having the having the the space to to, to really work out um, my faith, um, um, it it. It it drew me um, into just service more. So I was never a person that, even though um, jokingly I thought I was going to be the the next like Christian singer um, or playing in um, um, praise bands, um, I've I've never wanted to be in front of people. I don't like it. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oddly enough, my job requires it. Um, mm-hmm. But um, so. So behind the scenes, I would I would always be willing to do whatever needed to get done. Um, so if the if the chairs needed to be set up for worship, I would come and set up the chairs. We had a weekly meal. Um, if need help cooking or, or cleaning up afterwards, I actually lived at the Wesley Foundation for um, um, for a year and and was um, tasked with the other residents there, um, um, the, the upkeep of the place. So just doing like if the, if the toilet clogged. That was going to be me, <laughs> and I always felt and I always felt comfortable um, just just serving. I'm um, working in the background, making sure that the, that the, the places and spaces I was in was hospitable um, um, to to everyone who would who would walk through those doors. Um, uh, but then I was I was kind of called um, by um, Brad Farrington and, and really by. Um, my classmates to to just help out in other capacities. Did a, um, I was able to um, walk alongside some folks with um, in a in a in a men's group. Um, we met every week and we prayed and talked about scriptures. Um, from there, I was called to um, be on the um, the leadership team over um, at the Wesley Foundation. It was there that my my calling started to reformulate, um, where I where I felt as though. God was help was calling me and 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 helping me to to see that um, um, that I was being called to be a, a a person to to make places and spaces hospitable. Um, not only through um, making sure that the chairs are set up and, and the lights are turned on, so on and so forth, um, but to help bridge some of those gaps um, that formed. In my in my adolescence, um, mm-hmm. realized that the church can be something different. Um, that folks can um, c- 
come and come and wrestle with their faith and have folks walk alongside them. Um, so, so, so in that way, I started to feel called into the pastor, hmm. um, into and to learn about to learn about what that looked like, what that looked like, and 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 meant for me. Um, and and it was the foundation did a great job. Um, every year there was a cohort that um, that we had. It was called um, feeding the faith, feeding the call, something like that. That may have been an official Methodist thing. I don't I don't I don't remember, um, but. So and just just through that learning about what it, what it means to be a um, a clergy person in in the UMC, um, and I, I felt I felt tugged toward um, felt tugged toward the word and the sacrament, um, and, and being able to to help um, um, to to help those who I would hope to be in community with um, um, have that space to to dive into. Um, the holy book, God's holy word, to dive into scripture um, and, to, and to be formed by, by our sacraments um, in, in ways that weren't, weren't quite as open to me when I was, when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious. I mean, clearly it sounds that you were being called to ministry, but specifically ministry in the United Methodist Church. So I'm curious, um, growing up in a family that was deep inside of a different denomination, what was their response when you, you know, come home from, you know, college and like, I'm feeling called to actually move to this other denomination. Right. What was their response? Yeah. So, um, my mom was just happy that I was in church, so she was like, she didn't care. She was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but um, but the rest of my family, um, 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 they didn't really know what the United Methodist Church was, and quite frankly, I still didn't really know what the United Methodist Church was for the longest time. I I knew about I I knew about the campus ministry, um, but uh, for them, um, it just came down to: Do they believe in Jesus? Do they believe in life, death, and resurrection? And I was like. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> the answer is yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then, 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 then they were like, they're okay with me. They were like, is it is it is it Amy Z? Is it Amy? It's like, no, it's uh, it's it's UMC. They're like, I, okay, well, if they believe in Jesus, they're they're okay with me. <laughs> yeah, you you embrace this call to ministry, and you go to Duke, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, and it's Duke where you met Jessica. So I actually met Jessica. She went to Appalachian also. So we met. We met the first week there. Uh, oh, okay, okay. And, and and she went off to Duke the, um, a year before I did. Um, I stayed back and interned at the Wesley Foundation for a year. Um, so she went off to Duke, um, and then I applied and, and thankfully got in. And then we went. We went together. Um, got mm. got married during fall break. <laughs> got married, and then a couple of days later, we were writing our, our midterm papers <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> what I, I I'm curious. Then you know, you're both at Duke. You're both. It it looks like at least to me, it looks like you both are on this track towards ordination. Was that? Was that fun to both be going in that direction? Was there uh, conflict with that? And knowing that you could be um, 
I mean, I, I know we try to not do this, but you could be appointed on opposite sides of a conference, you know, like, yeah, uh-huh. I don't think we do. I don't think, I don't know if that's ever really happened, but. Um. Yeah, it was, it was, it was good um, to be able to go through that with um, someone um, that you could be so intimate and vulnerable with um, in, in having conversations about our denomination, about our theology, and and what it would look like for us to 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 serve alongside one another. What it looks like for us to have a have a family, and um, and um, how we're able to how we're going to be able to um, um, be faithful to our family, um, and then also to our to our calling as elders um, in the in the UMC. It was it was great, and also it was good to um, you know. Um, be able to have those 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 deep theological conversations when 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 things would come up um, during during our coursework too, um, um, but yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade that for the world. Of course, it is. You know, it does get a little bit dicey, um, especially um, with 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 where we are in the denomination now and and things feeling so uncertain. Even though we know that God will provide and that the that the UMC um, um, will be will be well. I mean, you know, just always those fears and anxieties. Well, um, what if we both lost our jobs? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? but, yeah. But um, yeah. but that is that is far less of concern than it was um, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, what year were you ordained? That is a great question. Um, I was a I was ordained in two thousand eighteen. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so that's to make sure it's like I don't cool. know. Yeah. So you've been full connection for a minute. Cool. Full connection. Yep. Actually, yeah. yep, my uh, my uh, um, ordination papers right the 2018. That's correct. Awesome. <laughs> Was there ever a point where you know from Wesley Foundation world to full connection where you said to yourself, "Oh, this is what it's like to be." a young black man mm-hmm. in this process. Absolutely, so many times. Um, mm-hmm. um, I think one of the more um, formative memories I had um, coming through this process as a, as a young black man um, was probably um, when I was in seminary. Um, in seminary um, that First day of our um, yeah Methodist history and theology class coming into that place and space knowing that these are all the colleagues that are going to be going to their their separate denominations um, and I think that there were I think that there were four people of color in a, a class of however many we were 70 80 90 I don't, I don't recall how I many we were um, realizing that that there are far fewer um, people of color, black folk, um, who were in the United Methodist Church, at least, at least at Duke, um, and then finding out uh, more um, about my conference that there are so few um, black United Methodists um, or United Methodist color, United Methodists of color in our conference. Um, but I'll tell you about one thing in particular that um, really stuck out to me. Um, we were. Uh, I think it was second semester. We're having a conversation in our poly class, and in the poly class, we would um, take different scenarios um, 
from from our polity and just have conversations about how we would address them. And there was one conversation we had um, about about race, um, and and it was it was my my group's turn to to kind of lead the discussion. And um, I think I think I think the question was akin to. Um, 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 how would you build like um, like healthy race relations in your community? It, uh, no, it was it was it was this. Um, you are you are at a congregation that has um, experienced white flight um, in the neighborhood. Um, the congregation remained white, and um, everyone around the congregation um, is 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 a person of color. Um, is a different ethnicity. Um, mm -hmm. How would you engage that current? Um, that that community, how would you engage your congregation? And during the course of that con conversation, it, it became incredibly evident to me that um, my colleagues had very, many of my colleagues had very little experience or understanding of what it looked like for them to be in healthy, vulnerable relationship with folks that may be of different life experience, different ethnicity. Um, different race than they were. Um, um, it felt like the conversation was um, mainly geared toward um, um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the right word to use. I mean, in, 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 in it was so long ago that I, I that I don't want to misspeak. But um, how it how it how it felt to me is that. Um, um, the class demonized the community a little bit. If they want to be a part of us, they need to do this. Mm. Well, I've been in situations where I have tried and it didn't work. Yeah, they just didn't want to be a part of us. Um, and, and in hindsight, and, and and I didn't quite understand the magnitude of it then, but but. They were not able to connect the 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 histories and, and systems um, that are that are underlying um, 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 racist ideologies that that they still have and are living into. My hope is since then, and and I and I and I, and I still keep up with a few of them, and mm. I know that there has been a shift. Um, but but that was probably the first experience that I had where where I realized, um, okay, I. This isn't. This isn't going to be as not easy as I as I wanted to be because I know that ministry, you know, it has, it has its ups and downs, it has its trials and tribulations. But um, but the struggle is going to be far more difficult than I would have hoped for or imagined. Daryl, I appreciate that story. In part because I I think often our friends and colleagues are unaware of the ways that the system has been built at at best without people of color in the room. I mean, there's so much more we could say, mm -hmm. but simply because our systems were built without us in the room, without us a part of the decision-making, without us a part of the strategy, we literally have systems that exist you know, without, without our input. Mm -hmm. um, and so then we walk into the room and and people are like, so how how are you engaging the systems? Like, I I haven't. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just I'm 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 doing my best to participate in a system that did not think about 
the road that it took me to get here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm curious, how have you experienced the United Methodist Church um, as a clergy person, as an as an elder, um, in in uh, in respect to appointments and mm-hmm. uh, the opportunities you've been given? What's that experience been like for you? Mm-hmm. So my my first. Um set of appointments were in were in Asheville, North Carolina, um, <clears throat> which is which is a which is a wonderful city. Um, in my 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 first appointment in particular, um, I was um, I was an associate at Haywood Street Congregation in Central United Methodist. Um, so Haywood Street is a congregation that is mainly geared toward folks who are homeless and unhoused, and you know with that comes a community um, who may be struggling with addiction, um, 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 who um, have been in and out of um, prison, so on and so forth. Um, But just, it was um, one of the most wonderful experiences of my life. Um, But Mm. also, so I was at Central, which is in a fluent white congregation and the relationship between Haywood Street and Central are, are beautiful because they are they're really sister congregations that that, that shared um, so many of the of their members between one another, um, and, and and it was I, I could not imagine a a better um, first appointment. Um, and I I was able to being a hair in Central, I was able to kind of live into um, kind of my like idealized understanding of what Christian community could be. Um, it really looked like it, you know, like when we, when we say that the, that the, the body of Christ um, is, is there in the margins and you have folks who have $4,000 suits on um, sitting next to someone eating a meal um, that has all their possessions on their person. Um, and, and mm-hmm around the mm-hmm. table family style like gourmet meals from the from the restaurants that are in Asheville which is um, known for their um, um, wonderful culinary skills but mm-hmm. so um, that was that was a great experience um, um, but within a year or so I was called to um, another congregation um, in in Asheville um, and, and it was in and they had wonderfully loving people um, but um, they they did not know how to um, um, support a black clergy person. Um, I wasn't their first person of color, mm-hmm. um, but it, it it was it was it was a difficult um, 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 experience for me. Um, we both we both tried well, um, but. Um, um, our different lived experiences with the congregation also probably having an average age of um, 65 to 70. Um, it was, it was a, it was a difficult marriage um, that ended tumultuously. Um, and then I had one more um, mm. appointment in, in the Asheville area and I'm, I am getting somewhere with this. So. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate you sharing these details. Yeah. Um, um, my last appointment in uh, in Asheville, um, um, I was I was at two more two more congregations, um, Trinity United Methodist, and also um, Barry Temple United Methodist. Um, Trinity United Methodist is one of those historic churches in the Asheville area. Um, um, used to be one of the kind of like the, um, the 
the high steeple churches in the conference way back when, um, but also had a had a had an aging aging population, um, 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 and a namely um, um, Anglo congregation. And Barry Temple is the was the oldest was the oldest um, black congregation um, west of Marion. So if you think about North Carolina and we have two conferences, the North Carolina conference is, is um, everything kind of east of, of, the, of, of Greensboro, um, going out to the, to the beaches and whatnot. Um, and then um, everything west within North Carolina going out to um, the mountains um, into, into, into God's country was Western North Carolina. Um, and, and Asheville was the, was really the last major city out that way. Um, um, so, so I say I say all that um, because during uh, I think during my those formative years, those were my first four years, four or so years, five years within 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 ministry. Um, um, I, I had some difficult times, like s several pastors do, trying to adjust to what it, what, it, what it looks like for them to be um, clergy people and to, to balance life, especially being married to another clergy person and starting to um, 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 grow a family with, um, with, with, with having children. Um, but it was evident to me that some of the places um, that I was in ministry during that time, um, like I said a little bit earlier, they just, they were not aware of what it looked like for them to have a black clergy person. Um, and it was in, in it was incredibly difficult um, in moments. Um, being in a place that's in Asheville that is also that 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 has a relatively decent black community, um, but it's um, less than ten percent. I think I think it may be five percent of the of the of the um, of the population was was African American. Um, it was mainly a, um, um, a white liberal space. Um, it just it it raised a lot of um, issues and tensions for me, especially during um, the last couple of years there. Um, I was I was essentially tasked to to close Barry Temple, which was one of the first. It was connected to a school that I think began um, um, by deaconesses, and, and it was one of the first integrated schools within um, North Carolina um, mm. in the nation. Um, and it what um, was has been so sad for me is that um, being there and in um, ushering that ministry to a close that there were no viable plans to help build another um, um, black United Methodist faith community there. Hmm. Did you feel isolated? Yeah, very much so isolated. Um, but you know that's but it's you know uh, as you know it it is 
it isn't an intentional isolation. I have so many colleagues around me and, and um, we had a um, great network of, of, of colleagues in that area that we were able to get together and to fellowship with one another and to, to share our lives together. But isolated in, in realizing, knowing that that I was the only one of them having these type of experiences. Um, mm-hmm. um, so 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 it's odd because I wasn't isolated. I had community, but it wasn't um, a community that that was able to s- support me in the in in the ways that I didn't even realize I needed at the time. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. Daryl, somehow in the midst of all of this, and again, you can tell me sort of the story of how we, how you get here, how you got here, but I know you as an affirming pastor as well, mm-hmm. um, interested in inclusion, welcoming and celebrating queer folk. And so I'm wondering how that is a part of this journey that is living on top of other layers um, within your story. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so being being raised um, in the places and spaces um, um, that I was, um, um, they were relatively conservative, but they were they were um, 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 they were black conservative, which is different. <laughs> oh, it's different, but it is it is a thing. Because as you know, as 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 far as uh, social aspects, um, um, black folk um, um, have been have been a part of movements to um, help liberate folk um, and to um, gain access to um, um, the lives that um, that we um, were were promised, you know, by our by our, by our forefathers, by by this by this nation that we have lived in, you know, through the through the civil rights movement, so on and so forth. Um, but um, but theologically conservative in that. Um, so for my for my um, many of my formative years um, as as a Christian, um, I understood that the that the scriptures that our faith was was telling me. Um, that um, same-sex unions, um, what folks would say, um, homosexuality um, was to be condemned. It was a sin, um, and that's what I. I mean, I. Um, I only wanted to be faithful, um, and through reading the scriptures and um, and and listening to 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 my Sunday school teachers, my pastors, you know, I, I, that's 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 what I believed. Um, and, it, and it wasn't until probably um, college that that the conversation changed for me a little bit. Um, being in a place with people from di- just all these different places and spaces gathered together, um, gathered together at the Wesley Foundation, we began to have conversations about what it meant to affirm that theological um, in what some would say that scriptural belief that um, that same-sex unions um, um, were, were sins. And at that point in time, uh, um, 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 Rob Bell's book had come out, you know? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, um, and, we, and, we, and we read it, 
and we had conversations about it, we didn't have the theological framework that we needed to, to really work it out well. But what we, what we did know, what we could affirm um, that has a solid foundation within our scriptures is that we know that God is love. Um, mm-hmm. And through our experience, we know what it means and looks like and feels to be loved. Yeah. Not only is not only is God love, we know how we want to be loved. Um, and, and what I came to understand in college was that um, um, my my friends who were seeking same sex relationships, they had not felt loved by the church. And I could identify with that um, mm-hmm. because I had not felt well by the church. And there was kinship in that. Um, and it and it wasn't until I got to seminary where um, where there is a bigger tent and we are gathered together to, to, to have these theological conversations that I was able to get my hands on and to be a part of discussions that that helped um, open my understanding of scripture and our theology in ways that I did not quite have access to um, um, in my in my earlier years in my Christian journey. Um, so so through that, through the through the reading of scriptures, through the through, through the changing of of my hermeneutic, my 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 lens for understanding our our, our scriptures um, into understanding our theology. Um, I had have ceased to believe that that homosexuality is a sin at all, um, that um, um, same sex um, unions are what folks would call ungodly. I don't I don't believe that any longer because I don't think it's if we are looking at our scriptures, um, it does not communicate that um, to me any longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I know I. But but I do have to say this still st- still with that, um, I believe that because I'm reading scripture, hmm. and that's mm-hmm. one of the one of the things that um, going back to my college days and and um and um, what I try to encourage anyone to do who is wrestling and struggling with scripture, you cannot throw it away. I was raised Baptist. You need hmm. to read the good book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you need to, and we, and we need to allow scripture to argue with scripture Mm. and, and, and we ought to be able to, 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 to use this common language that we have that was been passed down for centuries and centuries to, to help us affirm um, the beliefs that we believe the spirit is speaking to us today. Um, And that's taken me in um, all sorts of um, places and spaces as far as ministry and conversations within the United Methodist Church too. Wow. So do you ever feel like your blackness Mm -hmm. is at odds with your affirmation of queer folk? Nah, not really. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I know, but, but, um, but, but I will give credence to like, like I, I've heard folks um, have conversations that um, um, that uh, their their ethnicity, their 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 blackness, um, what have you, um, puts them at odds um, um, with being with 
their ability to affirm um, um, queerness. Um, but for me, um, it's uh, um, we are people who are intersectional, and I think that's one of the things that has um, that's really that I've really been uh, able to understand and to give language to over these past few years is that is that we are we are not a monolith, um, and and scripturally we have never meant to be monoliths. You know, the Tower of Babel in in Genesis, um, everybody formed together to make one people. Um, um, it wasn't that they were just trying to um, 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 attain godliness in their own way. Is that I believe that part of this is that is that God wants the diversity that God created just a few chapters earlier, um, and I believe that's affirmed in Acts of the Apostles um, when mm -hmm. the Spirit comes down. Um, the disciples don't just speak one unified language that everybody understands. They speak the languages of all of the people. And we see time and time throughout our scriptures is that um, 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 Jesus, God, is pulling together all these different types of people and saying, uh, everyone will know who I am by how you're able to be community and be beloved community with one another. Mm. Different, figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's take a quick break. Mm -hmm. Daryl, you weren't a general conference delegate at the special session. I think you were watching the proceedings though. Um, what was your response when you saw that the traditional plan had passed the special session? Just deep sadness. Mm. I was heartbroken for um, my friends, my family members, uh, communities that I've come to love, um, who um, who are who are queer, who have different gender identities, um, and I was sad and heartbroken for the United Methodist Church. Um, um, being a um, kind of convert into the United Methodist Church, um, I love it in a different way uh, because I I was raised Baptist. I was committed to my faith. I had to come to affirm our theological beliefs, um, to affirm our tradition in ways that have kind of made me a a zealot for it, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I feel that. I totally feel that. <laughs> so, um, so, so I believe, um, I believe in our unity and our ability um, to, uh, to love one another deeply and to allow space for all those we hope to be in community with, to be loved and to be affirmed. Um, and though we had been having tumultuous conversations, um, 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 I believed that um, at General Conference, we were going to be able to make a healthy way forward 
that that allowed us to 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 lift up um, um, who we who we have been claiming to be as United Methodist Church for for decades and decades. Um, and mm-hmm. and when it and when we doubled down on restrictions um, and when we um, um, voted to close the door on that conversation and a way forward, um, um, it 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 made me seriously consider changing um, um, denominations and in, in, in finding another faith community to um, serve in. Um, um, I've since lost that conviction. Um, <laughs> of course, I, I am still I'm happy to be a United Methodist pastor, but there is a lot of consternation um, about it about with, with my wife and I for, um, for months afterwards. I, I don't think you were alone in that. I mean, I, I, I mean, I remember getting back to my hotel room and finally looking at the text messages that it rolled through. Mm. Um, and it being, I was at general conference, uh, the special session. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm looking at my phone and, and some of the text messages are like, so where are we going? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and it's interesting that I, you weren't alone in the folks who were wondering if this was a denomination that we could stay in. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that, it's interesting to me about that is that I think for some traditionalists who are pushing the traditional plan, mm-hmm. that's what they were hoping we mm-hmm. would do. That's what they were hoping we would, mm-hmm. that our response would be, this is not a church for us. So something happens between the end of the special session and the end of the annual conference sessions that, year that summer mm-hmm. and i'm wondering if you could quickly just kind of share like what happened in western north carolina as the delegation comes back from the special session mm-hmm. and y'all are preparing for annual conference mm-hmm. that summer what what happened in western north carolina in response to the traditional plan yeah absolutely um well i'll i'll start with what happened for um for me and my, and my and my kind of like small like group of colleagues, um, but for me in particular, um, um, I watched Dreamgirls. Um, there's a scene. <laughs> okay, okay. Right. Was not <laughs> thinking that that's what you were about to say, but cool. All right, I'm with you. I'm following. Yeah. There's a there's a there's a scene nearing the end of the movie where this character Effie, um, um, she has found out that um, she has gotten pregnant she's been in in a relationship with um with the with the manager of the group dream girls that she was in and um and she is essentially she hasn't told him that um th- this new life is coming to the world but but he kind of like eschews her away and she has this beautiful ballad um um Jennifer Hudson sings this um and um essentially um, she says, um, I'm telling you, um, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. Um, you are the best man I ever knew. And there's no way I could ever go. Um, and what I realized was that I love the United Methodist Church. And another lyric of that song is that I'm going to make you love me. Mm. 
I love you. You're going to love me, too. Um, and I think that is what was a shift for so many in that in, those, in that few week time period is that we love United Methodist Church and we know that it ha as a whole is capable of loving us, too. We just have to get it there. Uh, I think that there is a willingness, there is a capability, but sometimes you have to, sometimes you just got to work it out. Um, so, so different leaders across our conference started to gather together to figure out, okay, we don't agree with this decision. This is not who we want to be. Um, how, how do we open, how do we open this door um, that has seemingly been shut? And so we gathered together, um, gathering folks across our conference to have conversations about what it about what it looks like um, for us to grow into the United Methodist Church that we want to be and um, what we ended up coming up with um, um, was putting together a progressive slate of delegates. Um, this was a deeply flawed, deeply flawed effort. Um, it was um, well-meaning, but um, I wasn't a part of the planning community, but um, we did not do very well with being intersectional. Mm -hmm. um, we ended up tokenizing peoples, um, probably including myself, mm. um, but just in an effort to specifically um, um, target delegates that we know would be affirming. We didn't open a conversation up to um, people of color, black folk within our conference to be a part of the conversation. Um, it was, it, it felt like an afterthought and there was a lot of hurt and harm done with that. Um, um, but we were able to um, pull forth a, a lay and clergy delegation that was largely um, um, quote unquote progressive and affirming. Um, and, and that was a that was a joyous occasion for us um, that that we were able to that we were able to do that. Um, and then and then the work began. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, before we keep going, I, I just have to say this thought. I'm going to make you love me, UMC. I, I think. I can't just like act like I didn't hear you say that. Because <laughs> um, it it almost fits so much of the work of marginalized people across mm. our denomination who continue to show up even when it's extremely painful. I mean, even hearing you talk about just the little bits of the way that the Western North Carolina delegation was elected and, and naming that it was flawed. And, and yet I get the sense that even with the reckoning of the flawed nature by which the delegation was formed, people still said, all right, we're going to still show up. In some respects, to say because we're going to make you love us, mm -hmm. UMT. I mean, am I am I wrong in that? Like, mm -hmm. absolutely, it, absolutely. I, mm -hmm. Wow, I think that that is really powerful, um, because that is not a 
it does not come from a place of entitlement. Mm-mm. I I think it comes from a place of resilience and hope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just I just had to double click on that because that for me was quite profound. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get elected to the delegation. Mm-hmm. Where and where the work begins. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, well, we get the protocol in the beginning of 2020 and then COVID. Mm-hmm. And then we have our delays. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about the work that went on, even with 2020, to, you know, now to 2021, well, no, no, now to 2022, no, no, now to 2024. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the work that took place, even though these delays were happening because of the global pandemic. Mm-hmm. So our our delegation continued to meet um, relatively frequently. Um, and we um, came to understand pretty quickly after annual conference, going into our first couple meetings uh, of, of the hurt and harm that was caused by how we formed um, our delegation, in that um, that we um, had not been as intentional as we would hope to be at being intersectional, in that in that how we affirm. Um, different groups that have been pushed to the margins, marginalized in our conference, um, not, a, not being a part of the conversation, that that, that is a huge blind spot for us um, as a conference. Um, racially, our conference, um, I wish I had the exact numbers. I knew them once before, um, but um, it's over, over over eighty five percent white, um, it uh, has to be more than that actually. Um, but long story short, there are very few black and brown folk in our in our conference. But mm. in our conference geographically, are major cities um, in 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 different country towns that that are uh, that have 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 a ton of diversity. Um, so. Our work began was trying to figure out, okay, we need to be able to hold our hold our affirmation of um, the, the the sanctity of life and experience of our queer um, siblings. But we also need to still look at who we have been, um, how we have been in relationship with um, with these different races and ethnicities that are in and among us. So we start having those conversations um, in the fall and there were mixed results. Um, we want to kind of keep the the thing, the thing, you know, like like we had, we, we formed this so that we can do this work, um, not necessarily mm-hmm. worry about um, this other work here. Um, we, mm-hmm. um, and then the pandemic happened um, and then the summer of 2020 happened where there was incredible upheaval uh, within our country um, as we were forced to have conversations about race in, in ways that we had not for years and years. So the conversations of our delegation 
began to become more intentional about what it looks like for us to uplift our intersectionality. Um, we aren't just um, um, pulling together um, these different groups to be in this body to just say we have them here, but to affirm and to celebrate them, their experiences, and to have their experiences inform who we are and give us a better understanding of this Jesus who has saved all of us. Um, so we were able to um, 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 have conversations with the different caucus groups within our conference, um, like um, our, our clergywomen, BMCR, our, our Hispanic ministry, so on and so forth. Um, we continue to meet together to kind of um, 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 re-narrate our work as folks who were elected onto the delegation. Um, that our work isn't isn't only the delegation work for general and jurisdictional um, conferences, but but we have a place in leadership um, and an opportunity to listen to all those who we are representing. Um, and also to affect the, the change um, um, that, that needs to happen in our, our conference, in our denomination. Um, in, those, in, those, in those conversations are, 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 are still ongoing. We haven't, we haven't, figured, it, we haven't figured it all out, um, but we have been able to, um, we, have, we have grown closer together and plant the seeds for, for who we could become um, in our conference, and it's and it's a wonderful and beautiful thing. And it and it, and it wasn't something that was happening, um, I guess, conference wide prior to um, 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 everything that's happened over these past few years. And it's given us this this new opportunity to really identify who we are and to, um, um, I guess, preach that to the masses, if you will. I want to fast forward to SCJ now. Um, and, you know, it was an incredible experience in part because we we're having a jurisdictional conference before the general conference. Um, and many different things happened at a jurisdictional conference election of bishops. One of those bishops was elected was nominated from the floor. Mm -hmm. um, we passed some resolutions, even though there were some that didn't want the resolutions in front of the body. Um, what's memorable for you from SEJ conference in November? I think the pain of it, unfortunately, is what is most memorable for me. Um, In, in two main ways. Um, for one, um, I'm, I'm happy that we were able to do the work in affirming the, the God-gifted givenness that we um, um, have within the bishops that were elected. Um, but the slate of bishops was the most diverse slate that we've ever had in our jurisdiction. Right. And it felt like 
we needed to fight tooth and nail to um, gain representation, um, whereas it could have been easy. Um, every 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 one of the people who were put forth by their conference or caucus group um, could have been elected. Um, and I know I know I know I know that this is going to sound unsavory, but um, we had the most diverse slate that we've ever had, and still. Um, um, two Caucasian folks were elected and then one person of color, one black person was elected. And what it communicated, I think to many of, and then just the, the um, different conversations that, that were going around what it looked like for us to lift up these delegates um, was tinged um, with um, different racial animosities and um, ideologies. That's just painful. Um, and it just made me realize that we have so much more work to do. Um, and then also the conversations around the petitions that um, folks didn't want to come before the body. But um, I think the joy in that is that, um, is that we were able to stand together um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Into, into, into fight for and to fight for who we who we who we desire to be, who we think God is calling us to be, um, even if it even if it makes the body uncomfortable, but to um, still still give it the medicine that it needs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Daryl, I I want to ask a question again that I asked before around the ways that celebrating our blackness mm -hmm. is sometimes forced to complete compete with celebrating queer inclusion mm -hmm. and promoting queer inclusion and mm -hmm. jurisdictional conference feels like one of those moments yeah mm -hmm. where there was a choice made between one or one or the other. Mm -hmm. And I don't I don't know if there's an answer. Mm -hmm. But but in your opinion, what is what is what is the what is the way forward there? Mm -hmm. Because if we're not careful, I feel like we'll get we'll be there again where mm -hmm. queer inclusion is forced to compete with empowerment of women or queer inclusion is forced to compete with economic justice. And not just that, not that queer inclusion would always be the one thing, like that right, all yeah. of these different pieces, mm -hmm. um, it's like we get one. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, what, what, what might be a way forward for us mm -hmm. so that these really important points of progress for our church aren't always competing with each other. <laughs> I think one thing we need to do is to be, be honest with ourselves is that we don't always 
believe in God's providence in the way that we ought to or should. Mm. We don't think that there's enough to go around. We don't. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm thinking about um, Exodus, where the Israelites um, are delivered from Egypt um, and they're out in the wilderness. Um, they have seen all of these wonderful, miraculous things. Um, they come through the Red Sea and then within a few verses, um, they realize that um, the food that um, they would hope for or the sustenance that they would hope for is not there. And they say, why you brought us out here to kill us? We could have just stayed by the flesh pots. Mm -hmm. um, and that wilderness journey was them realizing or being forced to reckon with the, this understanding that they were living in a myth of scarcity, and that even in what could seem like the most desolate places, God can still provide. Yeah. And there's enough for everybody, bar mm -hmm. none. Um, and I don't think that we really believe that. Hmm. Um, what it's going to take is there that there's going to be a there needs to be a redis, a redistribution of power and of wealth. That's a very uncomfortable conversation. Um, and and I know why we don't want to have that conversation is mainly because the folks who who have had the power, who have had the wealth, they're going to have to give up a lot more than they want to. Hmm. Um, so that so that everyone has enough. Um, and I think, but I don't, I don't know how to achieve that other than being open and honest with saying that out loud. Like, I know we're afraid of, um, we, we have these whole conferences and we have these conference staffs, we have um, guaranteed appointments, so on and so forth. Um, what we have seen is that they have catered to, um, we have catered to the, um, the, um, the, the power majorities of our conference. Um, and now we are um, fighting for the scraps at the bottom. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But I do, I do, I do wonder how we open that conversation up and, and um, if we, if we could be willing to have have more serious conversations about that redistribution because I think that there could be some some real fruitfulness from that, um, but also probably one of the most painful things we can ever do. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd know that um, after a jurisdictional conference, disaffiliations. Uh, became sort of the the big topic. Um, and a lot of our annual conferences, um, what's happened in Western North Carolina in regard to disaffiliations? Mm -hmm. We've had, we've had over the past few years, folk journey toward disaffiliation um, to join other um, Methodist denominations. Um, um, and, and it's been it's been it's been sad across a conference, uh, but it's also I think um, been a celebration that folks can go with God and go with their convictions too. Um, I think I think a part of this process um, is that we need to um, cease to let 
um, how we understand unity be in be an idol for us because it has become an idol. Mm. Um, and to celebrate when when folks feel God calling them somewhere else to to bless them and to, and to let them go. Um, it has been, but you know, it has been sad in that um, in in folks um, feeling called elsewhere that. Um, we have at times become litigious. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that part, that part. Um, um, and uh, it's, just, it's just sad that it comes to that because I believe that the United Methodist Church has been incredibly gracious um, when it did, when it does not have to be, when it has the power to just be spiteful. Mm. Um, we have given the we have given folks place and space to um, to go with God, um, mm -hmm. but um, um, I think I think when it's all said and done, um, I've heard a figure that about fifteen ish percent um, of our of our conference will have disaffiliated, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and and I believe that that's a blessing. Um, mm. But we also have a special call, the annual conference in a couple of weeks. That's going to be really interesting too. So stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. Well, ours is on Saturday. So. <laughs> oh, blessing to you. Yeah. 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 Um, was this... Was this the best way to do it? <sighs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it was. Um, in it, in it, it feels like we won't know if it was until the dust has settled too. This this may have been the best way that we can think of on the fly. Um, but it was, but it's also been necessary. And plus, I'm I'm a terrible person to ask because my first thought when all this was happening was, no, you can't go anywhere with your assets. <laughs> that, 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 that's bound up in the trust. Yeah. <laughs> Since yeah. then, folks have prayed for me. I prayed <laughs> about it. And I realized that wasn't exactly gracious. Mm. <laughs> but, mm. So, so with that being said, I do, I do think that I do think that um, um, in the amount of time it took us to came to come up with this with this solution, that it was good. Um, it, it is sad that when that that folks have tried to abuse it. Mm -hmm. So as we're getting closer to the next general conference, which will be the 2020 general conference mm -hmm. occurring in April, May of 2024, mm -hmm. what do you, what do you hope happens there for the church? Mm -hmm. I hope that we are able to, um, tie up some loose ends um, as far as helping folk 
um, who seek it to leave the denomination. Um, I think we need to do some work with that. Um, and um, mileage may vary of how long that takes, but I hope we get it done swiftly and that, and that all hearts are at, are at ease with that. Um, but I would hope that the work of the 2020 General Conference in 2024, that we were able to um, cast some vision uh, about, about who we are and who God may be calling us to be, um, that we can be honest about, um, about where we have come from and to help chart a path for the United Methodist Church that allows us to be more nimble and able to uh, move with the spirit. Um, I'm not um, a I'm not a policy guru, um, so I don't know how how all that shakes out. But um, um, one of the things that 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 I hope that we are able to achieve is that we are able to achieve um, some affirmation of our um, siblings in Christ of um, who seek same sex unions and of different gender identities. Um, I don't think it's enough to just strike the language. I, I want us to go further. Mm. Uh, toward affirmation, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but I hope we're able to do that work um, and to find ways in that body to recommit ourselves um, to, um, as we have talked about throughout our conversation together, folks who have been pushed to the margins um, and marginalized. Um, so um, how do we reconfirm, how do we reaffirm our, our, our commitment um, to um, our to our female colleagues, to our, our colleagues around the globe in in different places and spaces, um, because it, it seems as though um, often these groups are afterthoughts. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think that some of the growth that we can have is being more intentional with um, affirming and celebrating those ministries and supporting them in in ways that they need to grow. What does a young black? I'm keeping you in the category of young a little bit longer, Daryl. Okay? <laughs> when I started this thing, it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have aged out of the young adult category happily, been out of it for a few years now. But you're you're still young clergy as far as I'm concerned. So definitely, yeah. <laughs> and I'm and I believe you still have the pulse of those coming even after you, um, you know, but as a young black clergyman who's affirming mm -hmm. and who's wanting to see the United Methodist Church be all that it can be, mm -hmm. what do you need from the United Methodist Church? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um. I I need us to take more risk and to be more wasteful. Mm. Um, I, <laughs> I'm thinking about Mary as she came up to to Jesus with her expensive cologne. Uh, I don't know if it was mm. Chanel or, <laughs> or what it was, a perfume rather, but to be but to be willing to. Um, um, 
to bless those around us um, in ways that we have not um, been willing to so far, um, because we are, because we are, we are, we are, we are all, and I, and it's, what's so hard is that we are in this place and space um, denominationally that so many other mainline denominations have in America in particular, in America, this doesn't happen everywhere, but there's been this decline of decline in membership, this decline in um, 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 our finances. Mm-hmm. So encouraging the United Methodist Church to, to risk um, and to be more wasteful, to pour out blessings in these marginalized communities, um, I know is a is a tall task, um, but there needs to be leadership development. Um, there needs to be um, equitable compensation. Um, we need to put effort into helping um, our Caucasian siblings in Christ be able to understand how to support and to love on their 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 pastor that may come from a different a different experience to them, and that and that spans all experiences, um, disability, nationality, sexuality. We need to do we need to do that work, um, and we need to be willing to be wasteful in that, and to see what God can yield from it. Um, like I said, I'm not great on policy, but but that is my that's my hope for us um, that we won't stop at anything um, um, in effort to be vulnerable to the spirit's movement in us and through us that 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 even 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 um, for myself um, that that I am that I'm able to be willing to um, risk it all for the sake of the gospel um, mm. um, to share share Christ's good news and in grace with people in ways that are that are tangible um, that that they can feel um, that they can recognize um, and realize um, for themselves but um, you know I think that's what I want the UMC to be but with that I you know like I don't know all the particulars uh, and of course how we can get there but I think if you if we start off being willing to be um, a little bit, um, 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 whatever I said, wasteful. <laughs> I, I um, Daryl, multiple times during this interview, you have answered a question in a way that I was not prepared for. Um, just even this last one of we need to be more wasteful. Um, I appreciate the ways that your leadership and your witness Mm -hmm. continues to call us to to God's abundance. Mm -hmm. Daryl, thank you so much for today's interview. Um, I am enlightened Mm -hmm. and and grateful that you are a part of us Mm -hmm. and excited to see all that God continues to do. In and through you, for the sake of the gospel, through the United Methodist Church. Thank you, brother. It's been it's been a pleasure. I love I love having conversations about who we are and who God is calling us to be. So, thanks for opening the space and, and having these conversations with our different um, colleagues and siblings across the denomination. It's 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 a wonderful and blessed work. It really is. Praise God. Thanks, man. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Bar of the Conference is produced by the team at Wesley's Revival, a ministry of Studio Wesley. 
Subscribe to this show on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or Google platforms so you don't miss a single episode. Thanks for joining us, and see you next time.